This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach, and for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eater. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooko. Sometimes Spooko is like those hobbies or those friendships where you're like, it's good that I do it. I'm a bit tired and so my energy's not quite there, but it's a good thing in the broad scope of things that we regularly do it. And Shag, we've never really talked about this, but, but I suspect like we're both grown ups and we can have this conversation. Tonight is the exact opposite night where I'm just, you know, like it was potentially going to be me just doing a voice memo by myself. Shag's here. It's the greatest. And I'm just down for the greatest Spooko episode ever. So <laughs> this is it. Um, Shag, I thought I'd start off with a bit of a music reflection that has a bit of a pop pop culture element to it. Okay, so um, recently saw Matrix Resurrections, and anytime we talk about the Matrix, we've got a shout-out to Too Scary Didn't Watch. We've got a shout-out Sammy Smart. Um, no one knows and loves Keanu better than Sammy, and she is just the best generally. At the end of the first Matrix in 1999, which Shag and I were old enough to have seen in cinemas, there's the Rage Against the Machine song. It's not Bomb Track, is it? It's it's what, Wake Up, I think, oh, at the end yeah, of it. Oh, yeah, it is Wake Up because it's like... And you leave leave that movie being like, oh, yeah, like, Neo can fly, Rage Against the Machine, let's go. And Shag, have you seen Matrix Resurrections? Or Resurrection? I have. I think I I enjoyed, like, the metaness of it, but I was also yeah. a little bit like... Is this it? <laughs> it was it was interesting as a film because I feel like at least they attempted to address being like, hey, look, it's a <laughs> legacy sequel. We get it. Like, you, 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 you know, and, and part of the meta-ness of like literally having a conversation about whether, it, well, anyway, we don't need to do too many spoilers, but like being like, oh, it's crypto-fascist. Oh, it's a trans allegory. <laughs> My favourite thing about The Matrix is as it went on, they were like, look, I'm sure the fans probably like all the guns and slow mo action, but what they love is the philosophy. So let's yeah. just let's just dial up the philosophy as much as possible. They love the symbolism and they love confusing bad guys. They're like, no. So I'm <laughs> And so they had all of that in there. But it ends, Shag, with an orchestral version of Raging S the Machines Wake Up, and it is one of the least enjoyable experiences <laughs> I've had in cinema. It's just this really jarring like horn and string heavy like rage against the machine cover from a singer or performer with zero charisma and look if you're going to cover any song in the history of pop music do not cover a rage against the machine song because zach delarocca delarocca's charisma is so singular that if you're going to do it, you almost have to do the ironic, like, no, killing in the name of dudes, or like a joke, a joke sort of cover. And it was an awful experience, and it made me think, think badly about the film. And it reminded me of my experience watching Hamilton, the Disney Plus version, which is which is um, done like as a cinematic version, and it ends with a Joel Ortiz song. 
And so you leave hearing a real rapper, and you know I love Joel rap at the end. You're like, oh, this is the sort of music I wish I'd been listening to. <laughs> the entire <laughs> for the entire film. Oh, that sucked. Like, why wasn't I listening to this? <laughs> and it's just the strangest experience to leave a viewer on. And so Spooko Studios, Shag, I'm in the sort of mood where it's back on. Spooko Studios is back. Let's go. Let's make a film. I'll do all of it, but if you could pick a really good closing song. I reckon that'll be uh, fundamental to the success of the first Spooko Studios joint out 2024. So let's talk about the end of films, specifically found footage films. So found footage is a genre that lives or dies on their ending. You know, you have to sit through a lot of baby cams and Mm. shaky camera work and security camera footage to get a really cool, scary moment at the end where all of a sudden these apparently real cameras have caught something amazing, right? And so found footage films live or die by their ending. So a couple of months ago, I was in Seoul. And while I was in Seoul, I was like, I want to get a Spooko-ish souvenir while I'm in Seoul. And I was like, for some... I don't know why, but I set my sights on getting a DVD, I know, right? A DVD in 2022. Yeah, how did, how are you, how did you even Wait, it? wait, wait. <laughs> okay, this, is, yeah, this, is, this is the story, right? So I wanted to get a DVD of this film that had shown up on so many top 10 Korean horror films of all time. A found footage horror film yeah. called Gonjiem Haunted Asylum. And it, it had significance because Gonjiem is a neighborhood in Seoul and this haunted asylum, well, this asylum, this old building is a real place. And it's a meta found footage film about this place that I was in at the time. And it's potentially the best descriptive title ever. I'm like, oh, what's it? Oh, it's about a haunted asylum in this suburb. Well, where is it? Where is it? What's in Godjian? Oh, Godjian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Seoul is like a vertical city. I was staying in a place called Hongdae, which is like a coolsy sort of area, a bit of a new town of Seoul, in, 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 a, in a tallish building. <laughs> and in the distance, in a building like... A number of blocks away, I could see a big sign that said DVD. And obviously the DVD sign is universal. You, you, could, you could put that anywhere. You know, most of the signs were in you know, Korean, but this sign said DVD. And, you know, when you're high up in a building, you're a little bit disorientated. So it wasn't like I knew exactly the direction was. So it wasn't like yeah, okay. it wasn't just down the street. It was in a weird diagonal direction from the hotel in an odd direction I hadn't gone in. But I was like, that's where I've got to go. I've got to make my way to that building. I'm going to leave this hotel and find mm. this fabled DVD store. you got to manifest it. Yeah, I understand. So I went for a walk that afternoon to try and find it. And I, like, you know. Was you, this a work trip or just like a DVD weird personal experience <laughs> this, was a, this, this was this, this was one of the few times I get to by myself. Yeah, you know, in another city, I spent an afternoon looking for a DVD store. Cap- <laughs> Capitalism will get you no matter where you run to. <laughs> i got to buy some stuff. So I'm going through Hongdae, which is quite a cool area with a lot of laneway sort of streets. So mm. but it's very walkable. And also Seoul is weirdly hilly. So I'm going up and down hills. I eventually find this building, right? And the building seems like, like it, it's, I think it was a Sunday 
like any sort of uni town, all the shops and restaurants and everything's pumping, but all the businesses are closed. Yeah, okay. And it's a vertical city. So a lot of these buildings on different floors, one floor might be a restaurant, one floor might be like a karaoke bar, one floor would be, you know, some sort of a business, another floor would be a shop, blah, 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 right? It was one of those like multi-business buildings. And I could see the DVD sign at the top. I went inside. I had a look at the different floors next to the lift. It mm. seemed to make out that there was some sort of a movie store on the fifth floor. Sick. The lift was out of order. Yes. And yes, the stairs yes. were pitch black. Now, it was, it was an afternoon, but there were no lights on in the stairs. I couldn't work out where the light was. Yes. But I was like, I'm here now. I want to get this fucking DVD. Yeah, okay. The thing is as well, it's like I knew what the cover looked like. Uh, and I don't speak Korean and mm. it wasn't the sort of place where people necessarily, you couldn't expect people to speak English. Mm. So it's, I think was, I'm pretty sure it was four or five floors up. Mm. These completely pitch black stairs. So I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to do I'm, it. I'm a little bit freaked. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. So yeah. I walk up these stairs and obviously they're not like pitch black. There were exit signs on every floor that gave it mm. sort of an eerie glow. And I'm pretty sure there was a restaurant at the top that was open, but everything else was closed, right? But I finally make it up to the floor where there's supposed to be the shop and all there are are these two giant doors. Yes. And I'm like, well, maybe it's open. You know, again, yes, it's like, yes, yes. like looking back, it's like I, I, it, it could be open. So I push the doors. Just slightly, because you test them yeah, first, okay. right? Yeah. Is it locked? Is it closed? Yep. I feel them give a little bit. So I push them a bit forward, and then it stops because they're obviously tired on the other side, but they open inwards. Mm. And I looked inside, and the store was completely empty. And I'm guessing, because there probably aren't DVD stores anymore, and that sign's been there for a while, <laughs> but they probably aren't really selling DVD. Not that there isn't a market for DVDs, it's just way less than there would be. And, you know, in a really popular place mm. like Hongdae, they probably don't have the money for a rent for have a DVD store to get that much business. Anyway, the point is mm. that was a fun experience with a slightly disappointing ending. And sometimes that happens. <laughs> sometimes that happens. But in, it's the journey. I understand. Sometimes that happens in found footage. Well, I, I think I argued before that it's not the journey, but yeah, anyway. Okay. So, well, what I took from it before is that you fast forward through the first 75 minutes yeah. to be like, oh, it's a dinosaur. Okay, I get it. Yeah, like it's... <laughs> but, but because I went to all that hassle to find this fucking yes. DVD, I've been meaning to cover this on Spooko for so long. Yes. I finally found it on the internet. So today, Peach, we are covering the 2018 Korean found footage classic the third most popular Korean horror film of all time. Let's go. Gonjiam Haunted Asylum. Oh, yeah, let's go. The algorithm knows me well. Or knows the things you make me watch well. I wonder if this one will be more scary than the bubble. <laughs> So 
in economics, um, there is something called the sunk cost fallacy, and this extends to arguments more broadly. And Shag, you'd probably be familiar with this train of thought, which is, you, you know, the sunk cost. I've spent this much, and as a result of spending this much, I should spend more. And we often talk about it with legal fees of like, oh, you've already you know, argued about it heaps, may as well just, may as well just <laughs> engage some lawyers to spend some more money. Um, the sunk cost fallacy strikes me as applying to your found footage point of like, well, we've watched 75 minutes, <laughs> may as well watch another 25. But the other the other thing that's relevant that I'm not sure we fully debriefed on on Spooko is that I went and stayed at the Manly Quarantine Station a few weeks ago and we redid the tour of the spooky... What? Have we not had this, no, have what? We had this we conversation? No, we haven't had this conversation. That's way spookier than my DVD story. I went and stayed there two nights. Why did we talk about that? Well, I did do a fair few Instagram stories about it, <laughs> but that's it. <laughs> <laughs> but seeing this, I'm like, mm, is it any scarier than the like, like so the quarantine? So for people who don't know, oh, Shag, Shag, you might, you might, you might be better at explaining it than I than I would. But for people who don't know, Australia's a fucking weird place, and it's fucking forever away from everywhere else. And there's always a whisper of xenophobia about Australia as well. So that sort of has an undercurrent of. People coming from other countries to Sydney have to go through quarantine or, or, or did for some time. And the nature of the quarantine changed over time. But for about 40 or 50 years, you would go into these rooms where you'd be showered with this solution that included a significant amount of acid and stuff that would burn your skin off. Um, there were a lot of deaths at the quarantine station and there were these like giant mechanical rooms that are like three times the size of bank vaults that you sort of put all the luggage in one side, seal them up hyper-sterilise them and poison everything, then open up the other side on the clean side. And basically, um, stacks of people died, stacks of ghosts around there, and that was canonically in Spook, I think like episode 13 or 14, mm. where uh, I went to for, as a birthday party for like a 13-year-old and all us like tough 13-year-old boys came home and were like, Ooh. <laughs> 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 we're, we're all a bit freaked out and it's like the worst parenting move ever from the parent of that child, <laughs> least, least least popular parent ever. So I returned to the scene of the terror, Shag, and, uh, and I can confirm that I emerged unscathed, even though old smallpox Susie or whomever tried to come and get me in my bed, stayed there two nights, what's up, what's good? Uh, and so... Part of my feelings about um, Gonjiam Haunted Asylum is like, yeah, right, well, asylums seem pretty haunted. <laughs> Quarantine stations are pretty haunted too. Let's see. Let's fuck around and find out. So I, I don't think I explained my point as well as I could, but I think your sunk cost fallacy analogy is right in this respect, right? So mm. I guess what I was trying to say about found footage films is mm. it's really important they have a good ending because... Yes generally you don't get to see cool stuff in the build-up to it. it the, it's uh, all about yeah, this build-up. Okay. And if you can fuck around and give us a really good ending, and there are absolutely examples of genre pieces that do this that we'll cover in later episodes, mm. you know, then, then the whole payoff is worth it. But I think the sunk cost fallacy is probably right in terms of this episode because kind of mm. like at the very beginning when you were like, oh, sometimes doing an episode's hard, I thought it was going to be one of those episodes where you were like... Fuck, sometimes it's, I don't want to do an episode, but here we are. But, but you didn't do that, which is good. But what I did with this film... Hopefully I, made... I don't do that too often. <laughs> <laughs> but what I did with this film is mm. I, I made such an effort of it in my mind. Like, you know, this has yes. been on my to cover on Spooku lists 
for so long because I made mm. such a big deal about it when I was in Korea. And now I just have to cover it. But yep. one of the reasons I do want to cover it is because another thing that I've realized about found footage, which tells a broader story about horror as a genre in general, is that mm. when you strip horror of its artistry, of its narrative, of its personal stories, horror mm. as a genre is a bunch of levers the filmmaker pulls at certain points to get a response out of their viewer. Yes. And it's the combination of those levers and how they use them together and build up to a crescendo is how you get a really effective horror film. And I reckon no other subgenre of horror shows the levers so blatantly uh, as found footage does. And you'll see as we go through the synopsis of this film. So it begins with a YouTube video of two boys who are recording their exploration of the abandoned Gonjam Psychiatric Hospital, where rumor states that the ping pong loving director of the hospital killed all of the patients and went missing straight away. Got ping pong's a thing. We're gonna see at some oh, point. Okay, let's go. Yeah, right. yeah. At some point, ping pong's gonna be a scary thing, right? Like you, it, that's a lever. They they pulled that lever it's in my mind now for some reason. Yep. Yeah. Right. Okay. And exposition as well. It's also doing that too. Like, now, one of the interesting things about... <laughs> imagine, imagine <laughs> if there was someone in your life who liked ping pong and that was the first, you know, descriptor of them you used when describing them to someone. You were like, yes. It's not necessarily relevant if it's like, Peach, he's actually read all the Harry Potter books three times. He's like, he's like, that's one of it. It's like, yeah, I have done that, but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not super relevant. So this guy's like, look, yeah, I'll enjoy ping pong, but it's not a, you know, we don't have to make it a thing. You're, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Anyway, mm. so the two head to room 402, the intensive care unit, which no one has been able to open before. Probably because it doesn't exist in a uh, <laughs> mental asylum, but that's okay. They try to open the door. But also, if it's the ICU, why is it on level four? Like, if oh, it's the intensive sure. care, okay. like, what? People Get have to go upstairs. upstairs. Get them up the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> this is important. <laughs> so they try to open the door, but suddenly hear a ping pong ball. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's just not that, like... Like, it's just a bit silly. Yeah. But keep in mind, I'm watching this at the time and I'm being like, oh, no, no, this is top 10 material. That's, oh, no. I'm, so you're defending it yeah, as you're as, watching. as I'm going because yeah. of the No, listicle. no, no, it's going to be good. Yeah. It's going to be good. Now, they try to open the door but suddenly hear a ping pong ball. Their broadcast abruptly ends, but not before a glimpse of a ghostly face. So that's jump scare. We've ticked off our jump scare. Now, we cut to a review video of this same video from a YouTube channel called Horror Times, hosted by this guy, Harjun, who's like, mm. this is the scariest place in the world, and we're going to go and explore it live. It's going to be the first live horror broadcast in Korean YouTube history. So it's a YouTube video and then a YouTube mm. review video. And now we have the behind-the-scenes videos. That's the other thing about found footage it's like you just have to keep finding reasons to oh yeah when it's like oh yeah so they're recording a podcast and so they video it but then there are people videoing them videoing the podcast like just like the levels of of derivative that you've got to step yeah. through yeah because then presumably with some found footage films they sort of lose grip of that and they just want to show you all the shit as well to be like yeah. oh here's just a shot of like 
it's it's like it's like you know the american office or parks and rec where it's like is this still a you get to like season five and it's like this is still a documentary this is <laughs> this is still being produced by someone anyway oh yeah parks and rec was a documentary wasn't it yeah by the end it's like what <laughs> what is even going on here now? <laughs> all right so harjun gets together a group of six people three girls ayun charlotte and jihyun and three yeah. boys Sung Hoon, Seon Wook, and Ji Yoon for a live broadcast. Ha Joon stays at their base camp off the road to control the broadcast while the rest of the group go inside. So they also do a few things that every found footage film does. So for the first half hour, we see them get together. We see them drink and eat pizza in a pub. Then on the way to this haunted asylum. Like who films them drinking and eating pizza? Oh, just... Yeah, just people. That's filming. the imagine. Like, is that us? Is that the? I think going? it might actually be Hard June or one. Like, I I think they they okay. probably do work out who it is. But yeah, it's just behind the scenes yeah, okay. footage of this thing. You know, it's it's everything's content, I guess. So yep. it's something we yep. covered, fair like fine. you know, and when their influences is everything kind of is. Yeah, fair, on, fair. on their way, they decide to stop at this really fun looking river water park where. You jump onto a giant inflatable ball that then pushes Sick. you into the lake. It looks like a lot of fun. They do this. Sick. They're having, you know, they're having pizza. They're going to a water park. They're having fun. They're flirting a little bit. They're just young people counterpointing the terror that they're about to go through. There's another yes, you know, levity. Got to have levity first, right? Right. And mm. and again, it's like in a found footage because it's so blatant. Guys, should we all film ourselves going to the water park? Like. The oh, levity. put the camera away, John. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just mm. the levers are so clear, right? So you can already yep. see them, right? So we've got ping pong. We've got Room 402. We've got mm. live horror broadcast. So the whole thing's going to be on YouTube and people are going to be watching it. And we've yep. got young people having fun. So you just know they're not going to be having fun later. Yeah, pull one out. So Harjun, remember, is directing the whole thing. Everyone else goes into the place and he stays in this base camp, sets up this amazing base camp um, with, you know, like a, like a broadcast and places for them to eat and all this stuff so they can all mm. go in. As they're going along, they find like an old pair of like granny undies. Ping and... pong paddles. No, granny undies, <laughs> Ping yes. pong paddles. <laughs> and they tie underwear to a tree as a marker. Inside. Sorry, aren't we into, so, sorry, sorry. Oh, no, no, sorry. So the the, there's a base camp outside, like, like, you know, it's probably like, you know, maybe half a K away. And then they mm. walk through the, through the forest to this place. So, yeah, so they, they put this underwear marker and then they go inside. Inside, mm. Charlotte pours holy water in a small dish to record its reaction. They, they, I guess they set up like what looks like Ghostbusters a... experiments. Well, yeah, I understand. But it also looks like a Korean shrine. I don't, I don't, I don't know what particular shrine this is, but it looks, mm. it, it, you know, it has, it has bowls. It has, a, it, it has what looks like a bit of an offering. It has candles. It, it's very much a... And then, and then, in fact, on top of the roof, they string up all of these strings with bells on them as well. Yes. All right. Okay. That's yeah. Anyway, Charlotte pulls that'd freak me out more. But to be like, it's real. We got to bring our bowl. In the director's office, they find a group photo with all the patients and staff. And Ji Hyun and Charlotte find a doll in the lab, which they later discover has moved on its own. Lever a doll, scary doll. And I do like something as cheap as that as well. Like if you're making this film, you're like, we're going to put the doll here. When we come back, doll will be somewhere else. <laughs> Save 10 grand on CGI. What's up? You're welcome. But also 
especially in found footage even in this one it's not thematic like it's all the scary things so there's a scary doll yeah but also ping pong there's a scary room that you can't go in it's sort of ghosts it's sort of real yep yeah. yeah, it's everything it's good the other lever they do is they create the every every person who goes in has this camera rig where there's a gopro filming out and there's a gopro filming their reactions nice so again, it's another thing where it's like, you know, we're going to see some scary shit and people screaming into their GoPro. But that's live stream. Like we had to take it that's live streaming. Yes. So this is like filming a sports match with like 40 cameras. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, and he's live switching between the cameras and everything. Wow. He's aiming for a million concurrent viewers on Korea's first ever live horror broadcast. Okay. But it would be a huge sunk cost fallacy if just there was nothing. They're like, hey, we checked it all out. Well, well, let's just see. Because uh, I think he might have prepared something. for that. Yeah, yes, okay. well done, Shag. Sorry. Yes, of course he would be. So when they notice that the dolls move, remember that mm. they saw a doll and then it moved in another shot. Mm. They see that it's the same doll held by one of the patients in the group photo. That's incredible. That is incredible. That I have to go, <laughs> this, this doll is in that photograph. <laughs> <laughs> Ji Yun and Ah Yun try to open the door to room 402 while the other four explore the group treatment room where there are many strange coffins with holes in them. When Ji Hyun puts her hand in a hole, her hand is pulled and when she pulls it out, it's wounded. Disturbed, Ji Hyun and Charlotte... Mm. Yeah, the cough, the fucking mystery coffins. <laughs> Why? Yeah, like this actually feels like our host has put this in place. Like Anyway... It is a little bit. And he's also, like, one of them's like, oh, you probably just scratched your arm. Yeah, in the holes, in the coffins, in the mentals. People don't die. <laughs> like, psychiatric treatment, like, if someone dies, they don't, like, you don't bury them in a room, in a tomb with a hole in it. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so. Disturbed, Jihoon and Charlotte decide to leave. Now, remember, Harjun's watching this, and Harjun mm. reviews footage of all six participants standing together and becomes disturbed as well, unsure who filmed it if all six were in the shot. Oh, yeah, okay. And again, I'm like, that's fine, but why is a ghost using a camera? And how does the ghost broadcast to Harjun's <laughs> <Yeah>. van? <laughs> like, surely it's extremely complicated to set up, you know, 32 GoPros or whatever it is. He's like, oh, I'm like the 33rd GoPro. Who's holding that? And that's what I hate. I hate when ghost powers are like, my ghost power is I can broadcast live streaming video to a complicated well, no, editing not quite setup. I can submit it for consideration <laughs> <laughs> for potentially being included on a live broadcast. <laughs> it's a very specific power. I'm like, I can submit film. That's my ghost power. I can move dolls. I can yes. scratch people if they poke their hand in my coffin. Drop ping pong balls. And I can drop ping pong balls. <laughs> <laughs> and I can live stream video. Did it say whether, along with ping pong, he did have an interest in live streaming? Because that, <laughs> that, that, would, have it. that would have closed the loop. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> he died live streaming. It was his greatest joy. Outside, Charlotte mm. and Ji Hyun are like, we got to get out of here. But they encounter the underwear marker more than once, revealing that they are somewhat going in circles, which is a Blair, Blair Witch trope. I'm with you. Again, another, you know, like all the, like, they are just, I think there's an art to how you place the levers. And I'm not saying that this film, like this film is not not well done. Mm. It's just a little bit like, because of these things are so common, the doll, 
the walking around in circles. You're just very aware of what what the film's trying to do to you the whole time. In fairness, the live streaming ghost was a dose of originality. <laughs> I'm still I'm still trying to get my head around. Ji Hyun goes into a trance and her eyes open completely black. Okay, that can't be fake. And then when the the first scary moment when we see her again, her eyes go black, and then she goes like. <laughs> Like literally that sound, like, like, like moving her mouth super fast. Nice. Like when you play ping pong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I always do. Frightened, Charlotte flees towards the base camp, but finds herself back at the asylum in room 402. She doesn't know how she got there. That's fair. Yeah. Oh, inside. We couldn't open yeah. it before, could we? Ji Hyun is in a corner with the doll. A naked man appears in the far distance, standing completely still. Now, it's completely dark. She's only got a torch. Mm. And again, it's that found footage trope of she moves the torch away and she moves it back and then the naked man's standing a bit closer. Nice. That's super scary. And very cheap as well, much like the doll. Then she moves it away. (laughs) Eventually, the naked man gets close enough to her to attack her really quickly and pull her into the darkness. Good. Seung Wook and Sung Hoon see a wheelchair moving by itself in the basement. Everything in the room begins to float, and both boys are knocked out by flying objects. Seung Wook awakes and is dragged away by an invisible force. Sung Hoon wakes and runs to Ji Yoon and Ah Yoon, who are still trying to open the door to 402. This like ghost powers, so anti gravity powers, <laughs> door locking powers, yeah, tele- uh, telekinesis powers. It's amazing. <laughs> And and not a sight. Like, I'm sorry to get hung up on it. Why did we learn this person cared about ping pong earlier? This has not arisen since. <laughs> so Sung Hoon informs them the show was meant to be scripted, but real paranormal forces have attacked them and they need to rescue Seung Wook. Suddenly, a ping pong ball bounces towards them <sighs> and Charlotte's screaming is heard from inside room 402. The infrared cameras start to flash, detecting a presence. 402 opens and the screen goes dark. At this point, mm. we cut back to Ha Jun, who is directing. He's like, what? Screen goes black. What the fuck? And he's like, I've got to get in there. But he's also a bit like, I've got to get in there to fix this because I was almost at a million viewers and I want to make sure that everybody's watching this thing. Surely more dramatic if he stays there anyway. That's a strange choice to make for an ambitious live streamer, but yes, okay. Sung Hoon, Ji Yoon, and Ah Yoon find themselves in the dark room with no exit, immediately realizing they're inside room 402. So it has no doors. They've got their cameras on, and then they look up, and not only are they standing knee-deep in water, there's water above them, like the room is invert as if, as if oh, like, weird. there's a body of water on the roof. Oh, that's intense. And they can see a girl looking through the water towards them. Uh, and they're like, this is a bit fucked. And then this is where, like, they just notice a bunch of ghosts in the room. And it's it's scary, but Wikipedia doesn't do a very good job of revealing why this is scary. Numerous ghosts appear, and they are possessed one by one and swallowed into the darkness. That's not entirely artless, though. Swallowed into the darkness seems, seems a pretty spooky thing to have happened. It's not artless, but it's a bit like... So the room, like, do you yeah. know what I mean? Then it's the like the room came was more to. Ha Jun, seeing his view count reach nearly 1 million, goes to investigate, 
and get strangled to death. <laughs> Gosh, upside down water powers, strangulation powers. This actually is a pretty intense place. The last one remaining, Seung Wook, who didn't go into room 402, finds himself strapped to a wheelchair and is the final one to be pulled into the room. In the epilogue... Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Wikipedia. Do you know what I mean? But this is also what the film was like. It was like, oh, okay, we're just not going to find out about why she liked ping pong or yep. what they were doing to the ghosts or anything. It's just like, they're just some ghosts. Yep. <laughs> this is what I meant to say before, where it's like, we had to cover this film, but they just did not stick the landing. And it was just a bit too obvious what they were doing the entire way through. But anyway, look, let's get through the epilogue. Mm. The epilogue shows that despite everyone's continued broadcast, the live stream had actually cut off after Sung Hoon admitted the stream was supposed to be scripted. The viewers, none the wiser, mocked the failed stream. Additionally, the view count had not gotten anywhere near 1 million and had only peaked to 503 views. In the final scene, the dish of holy water starts to boil. And it's like, but they're already dead. I didn't care about the view count really either. Like, I wasn't... And if someone's so misguided to be like, oh, I'll probably get a million views, <laughs> um, uh, the stakes for that are really confused. Oh. Well, it's, it's like it's like that. The jokes everyone's making about that massive breach of public data in Australia, one yeah, of our yeah. telcos, Optus, 40% of Australians' personal information, including like passport and Medicare information, has mm. been exposed. And apparently the hacker asked for a million dollars, which in a city like Sydney or Melbourne can't even buy you a place to live. It's like, the Austin Powers joke of uh, <laughs> like one million. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> <laughs> uh, shag, yeah, like I'm sort of in a very Hamiltonian end feeling of that. Like, okay, we didn't go anywhere. We didn't really learn anything about anything. There are a couple of jump scares tacked together with a couple of callbacks to other movies. Um, and I think it sort of leans into the power of narrative in horror that while it's probably the easiest genre to wheel out tropes in, that or perhaps romantic comedies, that if done expertly, it can be one of those real life-changing experiences, almost in a way mm. romantic comedies can't. Yeah. Like, yeah. like it's sort of difficult to, to, to talk about a romantic comedy leaving you feeling changed. You're just meant to feel comfortable and like you're cuddling in a doona the whole yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, we're not going to get into whether mm. you think love actually is problematic or not. People love it and watch it every year, mm. but I don't think anybody can ever say they're a profoundly different person mm. after watching that film. Oh, it's but comfort the airport. Food. Yeah, yeah, comfort <laughs> food, comfort food. And, and horror has the chance to be more than that, but sometimes that chance is not accepted. And here it's like, oh, yeah, I like horror films. Here's some horror stuff, yeah. Here, here are all the levers <laughs> that you expect. I also think, I guess my, my point about an ending, more than there being a scary moment, because mm. the, the ending's pretty scary. Like, Wikipedia doesn't do it justice. It's pretty scary. And the fact that they're in this dark room with no doors and there's water on the ceiling and a girl looking down, that's pretty cool, right? That's super scary. But the fact that they don't give us anything about what happened at the hospital, why they're all ghosts, what's going on, mm. it's just unfair. And... It's why, and I'm not going to reveal much more, but I'm just going to say in the next couple of weeks, yes. we're going to cover a found footage film. Potentially with or maybe not with, Alexi. We will we will see. With, potentially <laughs> with, um, you know, one of our fave yep. uh, regular guests, Alexi Toliopoulos. Mm. A found footage film with an ending that I was so su pleasantly surprised <gasps> by that it completely made me look back over the whole film 
and reevaluate it like the anti-Hamilton. Like if you heard a song at the end of Hamilton and were like, wow, that actually was really good. Matrix, like as I say, the first one, it ends with wake up and go, oh yeah, let's listen to this Rage Against the Machine song. That's how you stick the landing. Like, like, follow, subscribe, a million views. What's up? Let's go. Let's get this episode to a million views. Uh, This was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe and follow wherever you can and as much as you can. And Resh's, what's up?